Welcome to Kanenbaum Podcast, episode number 37. I'm Tom Barthel, currently serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran Church, a Wells congregation in Baxter, Minnesota. We'll begin this episode with Moment with the Master by Pastor Aaron Nitz. The portion of God's Word that we're considering today is from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 7, verses 7 to 9. It's part of the account of the the centurion and the centurion's great faith. It reads, and the centurion is speaking, That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. So what do you trust? Every time you get into your car, you're placing a certain trust in it. You're trusting it will function correctly, that the brakes will work when you need them, that the car's safety features will protect you if you get into an accident. But unfortunately, our cars aren't always trustworthy. They break down, our brakes fail, and people get injured in accidents. Well, what about our God? Is He trustworthy? Do we lean our whole lives on Him in trust? This centurion trusted in Jesus, the Son of God's power. All Jesus had to do was say the word, and His servant would be healed. The centurion trusted that Jesus could do anything, and Jesus did. Well, finally, faith is clinging to the promises of God and trusting that God has the power to do what he's promised to do. So what is it that God has promised you? God's promised to be with you always, to watch over you, to provide for your needs, to work things out for your good, to forgive your sins, to take you to heaven when you die. Does he have the power to do those things? Absolutely. Our God is completely and totally trustworthy. Trust in him. I'm sure joyful to have such a trustworthy Lord And so are you. God's blessings on the rest of your day. The King of Love, from their album Light Eternal, by Branches Band. Rejoicing God
still your cross before to guide me. Chosen by God, close to God. We read from Genesis 18, verses 16 to 19. When the men got up to leave, they looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Abraham had probably figured out by now that these men were not ordinary strangers, that perhaps even he figured out this was the Lord himself. These were no ordinary guests, but their message was in line with God's previously given word, and their appearing served to confirm his promise and to say that the time had come for their fulfillment for Abraham. We hear the deliberation of the Lord. He reveals this so that we understand this reading better. God asked if he ought to hide anything of his plans from Abraham. Isn't that a scary thought? God has plans. He devises the rise and fall of nations. He causes the hair of our heads to grow or fall. He has plans, and he alone knows the future. Isn't it a scary thought that we would be closed out of his plans? Could you imagine being uncertain and unaware of anything to come? By nature, we are shut out from his counsel and know nothing for certain of any of his plans. We deserve to be shut out, since we bear a fallen image and rebellion against his wonderful plans, plans which he made from eternity, plans which he shared at the very beginning of time. By grace, we know his plans. The reason he wants Abraham to know his plans is because he has plans to bless Abraham. Shouldn't Abraham be not only aware of that plan, but all the other plans which God had for the world, which might concern also Abraham. In grace, God not only revealed his plans to bless you forever through the Christ, his Son, but he reveals much more to you, all you need to know. When the Lord appeared and was born in time for the fulfillment of what was spoken long ago, the Son of God in the flesh made the Father known as he spoke. 
He told his disciples they were no longer servants or slaves because God was revealing to them all of his plans. God doesn't have anything to hide. Yes, there are parts of the why, the workings of God for which we may not know and remain unknown to us. We can't understand the workings of his wisdom or fully know the mind of God. But he has not hidden his plans from us. He has chosen us in grace to be those who carry his promises, who know his plans. It is by grace. Because you are chosen by God, you are close to God. Listen to his word as he reveals his plans for you and for all people in the Bible. And remember how you are chosen and close to him. Remember his promised plans for you and his promised rest. Next is God's word for you with Pastor Timothy Smith. God's word for you, Job 11 verses 1 to 9. Now, uh, this short speech is from Job's third friend, Zophar, and Job's reply, uh, and, with, and with Job's reply, the first cycle of speeches will come to an end. Let's uh, read Job 11, first verse 1. Then Zophar the Naamathite replied. Zophar doesn't add much to the arguments of the three friends. He seems to have the shortest temper, and his words are almost caustic and indignant. Zophar presents a general feeling of, of yeah, what they said. Uh, like when he says, uh, are all these words to go unanswered? Uh, Zophar's name probably means something like oh, little bird. And in form, it's closely related to the way some Arabic names were formed. The Greek translation of the Old Testament uses the name Zophar for the name Zepho, in First Chronicles 136, maybe the original readers would have known of an ancient kingdom of the Naamathites, or perhaps it's a family name like the Israelites. But so far, neither scholarship nor archaeology has uncovered the definition of Naamathite. Verse 2. Are all these words to go unanswered? Is this talker to be vindicated? Zophar begins with an attack on Job, calling him this talker. Uh, this man of lips, literally. To, to Zophar, Job should be quiet. Let his friends show him his faults. And to be blunt, he should stop his yapping. Verse 3. Will your idle talk reduce men to silence? Will no one rebuke you when you mock? Zophar's insult, in, insulting term for idle talk, which is Badayacha, was translated chattering by Luther who turned the word on Zophar himself. Luther constantly refers to Job's third friend as the idle chatterer. Let's read verses 4 to 6. You say to my God, or you rather you say to God, my beliefs are flawless and I am pure in your sight. Oh, how I wish that God would speak, that he would open his lips against you and disclose to you the secrets of wisdom, for true wisdom has two sides. Know this, God has even forgotten some of your sin. My beliefs, Zophar quotes, are flawless. Actually, what Job said was that he was blameless, not flawless, back in chapter 9. But Zophar doesn't understand that there could ever be a difference. In this way, Zophar resembles the members of the Sanhedrin who tried to turn Jesus' words against him but could not make their testimonies agree in Mark 14. The word Zophar uses for beliefs or doctrines here is lekach, insight. This is the word for teaching in Deuteronomy 32.2. It's the word used for learning in Proverbs 1.5, and it's used for instruction in Isaiah 29.24. Job never said that he was pure. 
He was only counted blameless. That's our condition before God through Christ. And we should behave that way too. But when we stumble and fall, Christ is still there, still holding out his hand, still holding out his forgiveness to us. Verse 6 presents problems for many readers. When Zophar said, God has even forgotten some of your sin. Could God forget anything? Too many commentators seem to have either forgotten their Hebrew or they maybe never learned it. That sentence, God has even forgotten some of your sin. Ki lekach avonecha. And I could translate that woodenly for permitted to be forgotten of yours, did God some of your guilt. <laughs> the, the pivotal word is yasha. It's, it's a verb in what we call the hyphial stem. In the, in the hyphial, this verb takes on the meaning of permitted to be forgotten. That's also the word used in Job 39.17. God has caused the ostrich to forget wisdom. So a way of translating this phrase would be, God has allowed or permitted some of your sin to be forgotten. There's nothing at all inaccurate about such a statement, especially when we remember that the washing away of sins is the primary blessing of the gospel. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him, Paul said in Romans 4. We are freed from our sins in Christ, Paul said in Romans 6. And why not say that God has permitted that sin to be forgotten, knowing just how great this blessing is? That's true wisdom. Verses 7 to 9. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They're higher than the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths of the grave. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. This is an excellent statement. If only Zophar and Job's other friends would apply this correctly and consistently, they would find common ground with Job. Paul also asked, Who has known the mind of God? In Romans 11, God's mercy transcends our wisdom. God isn't fair with us at all when it comes to our sinfulness. He would be right in condemning us but he didn't. And that's the part that's not fair. He was merciful to us. Because of Christ's intercession, God has mercifully caused our sin to be forgotten. His, his wrath has passed over us. We are free of its guilt. Through Jesus, we have the promise of eternal life and the reality of heaven stretching out before us forever. Through Jesus, we have pardon. And through Jesus... We have peace. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. We'll finish this episode with a song by Spark and Echo Band, Lifeblood. This piece is a reaction to Genesis 9, verses 1 to 17, where God makes a covenant with Noah after the flood. See more at sparkandecho.org slash lifeblood. Just like you, just like you Never again will the waters destroy me 
Listening to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number 37. This podcast was first shared in August of 2013. For more information on the artist featured on this podcast, visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com. We'd like to thank Branches Band, BranchesBand.com, for sharing their music with us, as well as Spark and Echo Band. Visit SparkandEchoBand.com. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you visit wells.net Thanks for listening.